welcome to the season seven premiere of Setting the Tone. In our retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. I can't believe we're on season seven. And Daniel. Hey. Nothing, nothing special for season seven. I'm all no, about consistency, okay. just just I, like season I gotta, seven. I got consistent from beginning. to I got to throw everybody off every week. Daniel's got to keep it consistent. Okay, fair enough. Well, this week we're going to be discussing season seven, episode one, which is held Homecoming. The episode aired on October twelfth in the year two thousand. Lauren, what was going on that week over that summer twenty-two years ago? Boy, howdy, what wasn't? In the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, the New Jersey Devils defeated the Dallas Star four games to two. Oh, Dallas Stars. That's a type on my part. The Dallas Stars, four games to two. <laughs> Thanks, Lizzie. Set me up for failure. The, the stolen Dallas Stars, the former Minnesota North Stars, uh, who relocated to uh, Dallas to just become one single star. Ooh. Drama. Uh, in the NBA Finals, the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Indiana Pacers four games to two. I'm noticing a pattern. Following the release of the Marshall Mathers LP, Eminem's mother sues him for $10 million due to defamatory lyrics on the album defamatory Not yeah good. i don't know if i said it came up as a real word so. it is but i'm just i can't remember which way to pronounce it so we'll do both and dan can decide in the cutting room um <laughs> vermont becomes the third state to legalize civil unions but becomes the first state in the united states to offer same-sex couples the same rights as heterosexual married couples yeah i guess like the other two it's like it was like some stuff was the same as married couples, but some wasn't. Yep. So Vermont was the whole, yeah. the first one to do the whole shebang. Thanks, Vermont. Go Bernie State. Um, <laughs> British pop rock band Coldplay released their debut album, Parachutes, in the UK. I'm so the, old. The wildly successful album went on to sell 13 million copies and spawned three hit singles, Shiver, Lizzie's favorite, Yellow, and Trouble. Can you, do we, how many times do we think we all heard Yellow on the radio? Or just everywhere uh, yeah. during everywhere. that summer. Quite a bit. Oh, this still feels to me, though, I don't know, this still feels incredibly early for Coldplay. Yeah. I don't think I really became like consciously aware of Coldplay and could, could recognize them on sound alone uh, until probably like 2006 or seven. Oh, okay. Like, I, way, way Wake past Wake up, this. Daniel. Well, they're like, going to release my favorite album in a couple of theirs in a couple of years. So we'll, we'll get tuned. there. Uh, the hottest Hollywood celebrity romance of the late 90s is consummated as Brad Pitt marries Jennifer Aniston. Uh, cool. Little-known tennis player Venus Williams wins her first U.S. Open title as a singles competitor. We hear her sister, Serena, is pretty good at tennis, too. That joke is brought to you by Lizzie. I take no ownership for it. Lizzie turns 12. Happy birthday over the summer, Lizzie. And I had one of the most awkward birthday parties ever. Yay. I'm shocked. Um, and in... <laughs> Much more unfortunate news, Sir Alec Guinness passes away after a battle with prostate and liver cancer at the age of 86. He is best known for the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars trilogy, but also for a long stage career as well, playing 77 different roles between 1934 and 1986. He also served during World War II as part of the UK's Royal Navy Volunteer Reserve. And if I recall correctly... It was him being cast in Star Wars that gave it some sense of legitimacy yep. when it first came out. Yep. He was mm -hmm. the, him and, uh, what's, oh God, I can never remember his name. Tarkin, the actor. Oh yeah. yeah. That's yeah. like yeah. them two like gave like the movie, like the weight it needed. Yeah. Credi credibility. Yeah. Yep. And, and he's in competition with Harrison Ford for like 
guy who least yep. wants to be mm-hmm. there of everyone involved. He hated Star Wars and was really tired of talking about it for the rest of his career because it became the thing he became yeah. synonymous with. And that's all anybody ever wanted to talk to him about after that. And he just was really kind of over it by the time we got here. Oh, number one movies over the summer included Dinosaur, Mission Impossible 2, Gone in 60 Seconds, Shaft, The Perfect Storm, which Lizzie and I were just watching, Me, Myself, and Irene, Hollow Man, Bring It On, Remember the Titans, and the very first X-Men movie. However, this week, Meet the Parents, the comedy starring Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro, somehow beats out fellow newcomer Digimon, the movie, for number one spot at the box office. Now, I have a visceral memory here of the first time I got to see the X-Men movie. It was because back when, um, do you guys remember when FX would do the DVD on TV movie nights? Mm -hmm. One of my friends taped it for me and brought it to me (laughs) in fourth grade. Reading those reading that list of titles like it sounded like you were narrating your trip through a blockbuster right because i felt like i could see i felt like i could like put myself in the blockbuster Mm -hmm. looking at the shelves and all of these movies being on i can absolutely for some reason me myself and irene that cover is just like in my brain oh yeah same for me with mission impossible 2 are definitely the worst Mission Impossible. I'm pretty sure. I think that's universally I was considered three was the worst the one. universally reviled one. I still have to watch all it could, of them. It could be. Um, bring it's, Bring it on was one of my yeah. favorites. And Hollow Man scarred me as a child. I'm Hollow Man is a fucking horrible movie. <laughs> that movie is just dog shit. But and uh, Lizzie, you know. I'm sorry, Digimon lost out. You know what? Just people have no culture. They just they hate they you hate know, ska music. They hate great Japanese anime. The only Japanese anime I'll the... watch pretty much. <laughs> Is Meet the Parents the most universally where it was dis- it was declared for a time the funniest movie ever made for like a hot second around the time it came out that we were just completely wrong about? Because like I feel like much uh, unlike The Hangover, which I feel like you can go back and still maybe glean a little bit of joy oh, yeah, out of, or, you know, Borat. I or... will say, Lizzie and I did just quote Meet the Parents the other night. Um because we were watching Kitten Academy, like we do, because it's I can it's, I can already guess where this you, is going. Yes, you can, and um, <laughs> and one of one it's a it's a YouTube for those who don't know if we haven't talked about Kitten Academy before. It's a it's a YouTube channel. It's a live channel of a kitten foster. Um, this these this couple takes in you know pregnant mom cats and helps raise the litters until they can be, you know, foster adopted. Uh, so. Yeah. There's a new mom cat, and we're just, you know, waiting to see if she's going to give have babies any day. And the gentleman was checking to see if her milk had come in yet. And while <laughs> we said that, I was like, can you milk a cat? Or I just started off on, you know, a, a, a twist on the Robert De Niro line. And Lizzie just goes, could you milk me, Greg? And I, <laughs> I, have, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? And it was just like, oh, yeah, that, that is something that's just burned into our thing because we saw it as children, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, I yeah. wonder... And it's it spawned a full-scale yeah, thing. Like the they, it's a full-scale like, franchise. Oh, that franchise lasts almost a full decade okay. after this first I, movie comes I think out. the only reason I enjoyed Meet the Fockers, A, because I was probably 13, B, because it has, if I recall correctly, Barbara Streisand and Dustin Hoffman, which is just an excellent mm-hmm. combination. And C, Robert De Niro is somehow an excellent comedy actor. <laughs> like uh, When he wants, when he to, wants be, yes. to be, yes. When he, yeah, when, when he wants to put in the effort. Like, Midnight Run is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, one of the funniest movies. I I love that movie. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, but it is so against what you expect from Robert De Niro based on all of the other things he's famous for. But fair yeah. when he wants to be, he can be very funny. All right, I'm gonna stop procrastinating so we can get to the actual episode. You guys are here for ER, not pop culture. Number well, this one. This is my this is my 20 minute dissertation time on Digimon the movie and why yeah. it's the best movie of all time. Uh, that can be the lounge this weekend. No, I'm sure. uh, number one <laughs> songs of the summer include "Try Again" by Aaliyah. I guarantee you somebody's going to tell me I got that wrong. Be With You by Enrique Iglesias. Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon, which is still my fucking jam. Yep, there you go. Lizzie is humming it next to me. Bent by Matchbox 20. It's Gonna Be Me by InSync. Incomplete by Cisco. And Doesn't Really Matter by Janet Jackson. Music by Madonna is this week's number one song, though, completing a four-week run atop the charts. This song, that last one, Music by Madonna, is burned into my head. I heard oh, this yeah. one. I heard that one everywhere as well. The video too. Yeah. The video and the song, I feel like I saw or heard a combination of a million I'm sure times, I'd know it if I heard it, but off the top of my head, it's Well, not. check out the SCT playlist. The number I was one just going to say, I just added it to it as, just before we started recording. So it's on there. Uh, but for what else was on that evening? Boy, is this just a murderer's row of 2000 Thursday night television on NBC. Like this, if you, if you needed one night, maybe the only thing missing here is Frasier. Uh, but otherwise, this would be like the sample of what it is to have a Thursday night lineup heading into uh, an ER episode. Uh, at 8 p.m., we got a double dose of Friends. Uh, the first episode, the one with Monica's Thunder. And then at 8.30, the one with Rachel's book. At 9, Will and Grace with the episode New Will City. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Hit the Road Jack. This week's episode had 29.3 million viewers tuning in. Directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 14th out of 40 and written by Jack Orman doing his 12th out of 28. Uh, and a couple of tech notes as before we get into the episode itself. Uh, this episode is originally titled Indian Summer. Um, okay. Uh, I'm glad they went with what they did. Yeah, very <laughs> so much so. We don't have to. Um, and uh, this was the thing that I, uh, boy, if you think I save all of my annoying bullshit for on mic and uh, don't let it bleed out into our nope. between episodes group chat, you're completely wrong. Uh, because so I went to watch this episode for notes last night and the whole episode I was like bothered. I was like, this, the, the, it looks different. Like something has changed. Like, did they change film stock where they like, it's too early for HD. Like what is, what has changed in between seasons that now things look different? Well, come to find out as I uh, was doing my cast notes and stuff at the end of the episode and scrolling through IMDb and a couple other places, uh, starting with season seven, the show is now being presented in a 16-9 widescreen aspect ratio, whereas for seasons one through six, they were in standard 4-3 aspect ratio. So are they airing uh, it in widescreen on TVs? They are, they are now airing it in widescreen on TV okay. starting with season seven, which is why it looks different on um well, so it's weird. They filmed. They've been filming since season one in H or in uh, widescreen. Yeah, that's they've why been you have Max widescreen versions, of, perfectly good widescreen right. versions of all of the stuff, and yeah, on the DVDs. But too. until but until you got to streaming, they were cropping it for four three. So there would be certain things that would get lost on the side when they were doing, or or they were, yeah. So it's. It just it looks more like cinematic, in my opinion, once we get to season seven, like there's a distinct difference in the way the show looks. And I was that was like my cue that I'm watching the show much too closely, that this minor change in the aspect <laughs> ratio bothered me so much. Filed under things I will never notice. There you go. That's what I'm here Thank for. Thank you, Daniel. 
All right, and uh, hey, look, new season. We're back to previously ons. Lovely. Yay! This time it's Mark. I'll lo- we all love it. Uh, and we open season seven with uh, Carter checking into rehab, so picking up right where we left off at the end of season six. Uh, and ben- protect- a little protective cinnamon roll Benton is trying to get him all comfortable and situated. And the nurse, uh, she's not a nurse. She's I, just I, a put, I think it's like a reception or admit. Yeah, yeah, she's like the admit person. Yeah. She's like, no, he needs to do this himself. Because Ben's like, no, he needs to. Can he get some composing? Can he get some. Uh, he's diaphoretic. Can we, can we help him, please? And she's like, you should leave. It's important he do this himself. Yeah. So. Oof. And yeah, Ben just says, Carter, you can do this. Simple. Also, my entire mood this week has been Carter with that goddamn pen. <laughs> yeah, struggling to write. It's fucking out. Yeah. Is that a line directly from the show? No, not quite. But it's the, it's the mood is there. Fair enough. Uh, well, the stairway up from hell is there, and why are they headed to the basement? Wouldn't you theoretically have entered to the on the first floor? Why are they going downstairs? Did that bother anybody else, or it was bothered, it just it, me? It did bother me. I'll be perfectly honest. I did not even clock it. So, did not even. Didn't yeah, even occur. Yeah, they're like in the middle of a giant spiral stair stairwell. Because it's not like he had dropped his bags off or anything because he still has his messenger bag with him. Right. And he still has right. his jacket like on his sleeve. So it's not like she went and dropped him in a room and then took him downstairs. I don't know. Maybe maybe the rehab's in the basement. Who knows? But uh, the admin clerk is, he's complaining and is like, no, I need, no, I don't need therapy now. I need I to lie need, down. I need to go lie down. I need, I need some composing. I need some X... X, Y, Z, and the admin clerk is like, no, if you're going to be here, you're going to fucking do the program. And if you want to if you want to get high, you can go to these places. I also want to note, it's disgusting. He spits over the rail. Yeah, just, what the... Ugh. Yeah. Like, I understand you're nauseous, you're probably salivating a lot, and you're not feeling your best, but just, I I vehemently abhor spitting. Like, it just, it it's one of the few, like, habit, nasty habits people have that actually bothers me. And so when he did it, I was just like, it's, a, it, it's weird things that, that get me, but that more than half the shit we see on this show, but that spit over the rail, I was yeah. like, come on, that's unhygienic. Yeah. But yeah, it's time for group yeah. therapy. But who plays our receptionist here? Uh, yeah, she's played by actress Paula Newsom, who appeared in stuff like Rain Over Me, Guess Who, and Little Miss Sunshine. And I think somebody mentioned in one of the listener responses that uh, she also had a recurring role on NCIS that they recognized her from, so... Well, Lauren's kind of rewatching that, aren't you? Uh, CSI. So, yeah, CSI, excuse Wrong me. Wrong acronym. There's too many, too many enhanced, Completely. enhanced, enhanced crime shows. Okay, that did happen on an episode of CSI. <laughs> I was watching the other day where they literally had some shitty ass security footage, and he was like, "Can you zoom in?" Can I was really in? surprised. I, I was really surprised. We've been going back through uh, The Wire, mm-hmm. uh, which is another show that I'm going to get one or both of you to watch at some point, uh, but. Um, that's a show that like is pretty damn. I mean, I, it might be my pick for my favorite show of all time. Like, it is just a masterpiece of television. Mm-hmm. But um, even they couldn't resist at one point well, doing the enhanced thing, and like now all of a sudden they have this clear picture of a license plate. That's exactly it. Is it's like he goes, okay, zoom in. Can you zoom in again? And it's still pixelated as shit. And he goes, okay, can we clean that up? And they hit one button, and suddenly it's just perfect. Just smooth 4k and i lizzie was in the office and i was in the other room watching it and i laughed so loud she was like what's wrong i was like enhance but but daniel guess what 
See, I knew I was going to enjoy season seven. We're starting off on the right foot. We're in with twinkles, guys. One and oh. All right, I guess we'll talk about this show. Uh, Carrie is, we oh God, this is a fucking mess. Literally and emotionally. Uh, we open in the ER with Carrie screaming for security. The ER is in absolute bedlam. Uh, Malik is complaining about a locked janitorial closet because a toilet is overflowing and the plungers are all in the janitorial supply closet. Uh, the janitors are on strike. There are bags of soiled linens and garbage everywhere, just piled taller than Lizzie. Um, Carrie tells Malik to take initiative and either pick the lock or take a fire axe to the door if he really needs to get in there. <laughs> Remember that. Remember that. Um, Mark gets in from his vacation. He asks what happened. And we learn from Frank that they are also remodeling the admit desk. And he goes, I cut myself on a nail. And I think Carrie says, you better update your tetanus. Which sent me down a rabbit hole about looking up tetanus vaccinations. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Get your vaccinations, kid. Yeah. There's your once-a-season reminder. I'm probably overdue for my tetanus booster. But um, Mark had been in Wisconsin camping on his vacation, Ooh. and the med students have been waiting for two to three hours for someone to actually give them a tour and like help them be med students. And then all of a sudden, Malik walks by, completely stone-faced, walks by Carrie, carrying a fire axe. And Lizzie, do we want to reenact this? Malik. What? Malik. Just absolutely <laughs> stone-faced the whole time. He just keeps walking with that axe, doesn't stop for her or anything. And Carrie is just... She, Laura Inez, her physical... <laughs> just her physical presence this episode. She is on point. This whole episode. And oh my god, I just realized why the episode was called Homecoming. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> double, a little double meaning there. A little... Uh, oh. uh, little double entendre Guys, there. It's, um, it's hard being this stupid and this cute at the same time. <laughs> it is. It's 7.22 p.m. Central Time when we're recording this, and Lauren has just now woken up. Go Sometimes yourself. stupid and cute are enough. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, an amazing line read by Malik. Like, yeah. that that dead deadpan what? what is just... I, mm. I, My top five gags of the entire show for me personally. Carrie immediately realizing he's going for it, going, Blake! Like, yeah, no, it's just so good. Uh, the the physical look of the ER, yes. both the disgusting state that it is in this entire episode. I mean, I feel like they really go over the top with how, in, in, in the best way possible, like they really go for it with this episode of making you... Uh, making it feel like you're in the middle of this grungy, disgusting, filthy ER. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that so much. And also too, on a like, you know, layout of the ER tip, like we are, we are hurtling our way towards the later season look Mm -hmm. of the ER here, which I did not realize was coming so soon. I was like, oh shit. Like I was like, when I saw that, that wall was gone and that things had opened up and you can sort of see like the it's um uh, it's a light cover yeah. like it's a cover for one of those lights and ceiling but you can see where the board. they're sort of already they're already they're already kind of blocking out for shots where the board is going to be which i think is a really i maybe i'm again being too english major about it but i think that might have been intentional like i think that might have been for their purposes of being like we know we're going to have a prop there eventually so we should probably start practicing of blocking these shots out so that we're not you know, idling in front of this board that's going to be hanging down. Also, I love that because of our community, we've started just calling it being too English major. <laughs> but um, yes, I did notice that. I was like, that's not the board. The board's on the floor, but that's where the board goes. That's where the board's going to go. Yeah. So, and I also like too, that the little bit of canonical dialogue that is that the, uh, 
the board eventually being like that and, and the look of it all was all a mistake. Yeah, they weren't like, supposed to take that, that wall. They weren't supposed to take that wall out and that they were like, yeah, well, we just don't talk about it. <laughs> it's just, I, I like that a we're lot. We're not supposed to talk about it. I am it. so excited, though, to get to like where it's the reno, the, 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 where the renovation is finally done and it's officially going to yeah. look like that. Like, give me a, give me seven, too. Yeah, it's just really... I mean, I, I like I said, I knew that was coming eventually, but I just associate all of that so much with the later years, you know, the really later years. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking, you know, 11, 12, 13 yeah. kind of era. After so for this to, Yeah, so for this to, to come now, I was so like, whoa, like, we're really... Things are really changing here. Um, and so, yeah, it was just really, really cool for me to, to, to look at. And one thing, before I get any further away from it and forget about it, um, back in the opening scene, uh, we get that little stinger uh, or that little um, overlay at the beginning that tells us that that was in April. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I mentioned that is because I was watching this with Jen and in the coming up scenes when Carter gets ready to leave rehab, she was like, Jesus Christ, that's the quickest rehab I've ever seen. Yeah, three month time skip. <laughs> Not- <laughs> yeah. Three month time skip in there. Um, but anyway. Uh, for now, we go to uh, Coburn, who's giving someone an ultrasound, uh, only for us to pull back the camera a little bit and discover that it's Chen. Mm. One of two real-life pregnancies that they had to work into this season, <laughs> uh, because Chen's pregnant for real this season, and Alex Kingston is pregnant hey. for real this season. Uh, and they had to both work. Uh, Alex Kingston, I would imagine they probably had a better idea where they were going and they were going to work that in eventually anyway. But with Chen is much. I actually like the the whole Frank uh, Bacon detour mm-hmm. that that takes because they had they had to go back and find a canonical reason why Chen got pregnant. You know, like I just think that's a cool way to to backfill that storyline. Uh, but no one knows she's pregnant yet. And Coburn uh, lets her know that. Her secret's going to be out pretty soon, regardless, so might be time to start telling people. Let's go to our first audio clip here of Season 7. Uh, Carter's getting ready to leave rehab. So what are you supposed to talk about in an exit interview anyway? That you don't have all the answers. No argument there. You scared? I don't remember the last time I wasn't scared. Good. What, that's it? Be afraid, be very afraid? We're like the army, okay? We break you down, make you face your addiction, and we build you up. You start to function. Feel healthy, confident. Don't worry. Pride's what got me into this. Yeah. And deep down, you feel like this is something that just happened to you, right? No, I took responsibility. I take responsibility. But I'm going to get my life back. It's not going to beat me. Yeah, that's what I thought first three times but I hope you do day or night if you ever need to talk are we done you're just getting started is this one I'm supposed to say thank you some people do thank you you're welcome uh, I need so, to start off with what is that fucking beard? Yeah, I was going to say, who wants to come out on the facial hair? <laughs> that is hideous. That is the worst facial hair we've had so far. Well, good thing you only have like five more scenes. That is a... That... He looks like a mountain goat. That that like that right there should have been a visual, visual uh, cue that he's not ready to leave rehab yet, <laughs> <laughs> because only someone on drugs would look at that facial hair and yeah. go, "Yeah, that's the, that's the move." Yeah. Am I the only Ooh. one here who thinks that it would have been interesting if we would have gotten like maybe not quite like a ninety of the full ninety days time skip if maybe we gotten like seventy five and like had an episode or two where we explore. 
Carter's yeah. life in rehab. I uh, yeah, I'm sort of much the same way I was after uh, All in the Family, where I kind of wanted to see a little bit of him, like in the throes of recovery from the attack. I kind of also wanted to see a little bit more of him in rehab. Like they, this is a little bit of a rush job. Like mm-hmm. this is a little bit of them just kind of like going like, like I, I get sort of what they're hinting at here of like, he's, um he's, he's better. Like he's, but there's something missing. Like the, the attitude is not, he hasn't caught up with the attitude yet either. And I think that's part of a lot of what people's issues are with this storyline. And it's particularly the recovery part of the storyline, like that it does feel sort of rushed and it does feel sort of like incomplete. And it's just like, I don't know. I I feel like you could have fleshed out the actual in the rehab part of it um, a little bit more, you know, maybe do some, if you're going to play with time skips, like maybe jump back and forth, like jump back to April, jump back to September, like, you know, keep moving back and forth between the two timelines yeah, and just, yeah. and then converge at the yeah, end. Yeah, say have it be like have it be like the episode like next episode where he comes back to the yeah. ER and then could have all the stuff that you want going on. Then throw in a couple of scenes of like him like going through withdrawals and like right. I really feel like somebody. I feel like they titled the episode and were like, like they came up with that pun of like we have a homecoming game and Carter's coming home and like. We're just like, yeah, we did it. Like we nailed it. Like the episode, the episode's gonna write itself, guys. We are, we figured out the pun. So like the episode's just gonna write itself. <laughs> and you know, like it's still a good episode, but like I just feel like there, there as always, like there's other ways you could have gone with yeah. it. Right. Uh, let's jump right into uh, to the next audio clip. Then uh, right after that, uh, Peter Corday and Romano are having a little chat. Someone's still on vacation time. I see. Sorry. It's all right. Peter was just helping me hang this straight. How's that look? Great. Yeah. Did you finish the interview? Just getting to that. Okay, so where were we before we left off last time? You were just about to give me the job. Developing a sense of humor, Peter. That's progress. You get points for that. Uh, why don't we uh, discuss faculty responsibilities? Um, Peter, as an attending, you'd be responsible for supervising resident research. I look forward to that. Flyer. I like working with residents. <laughs> yeah, you mean you like abusing them, and you don't exactly have the best track record in the research department. That can change. Uh-huh. Where else have you applied? What? Where else did you apply? You can't ask me that. Oh, no. Someone called the interview police. Has anyone offered you anything? You're not supposed to ask me that either. Oh, come on, Peter. It's a simple question. I've looked elsewhere as a backup, but I'd like to stay here as an attending. Okay. Was that so difficult? Elizabeth, what are you doing? Uh, my hands itch for some reason. Well, cut it out. It's distracting. Many of vesicles probably have phytodermatitis. Are you allergic to any plants? I don't think so. You have a garden? I went camping. Tell me you know what poison ivy looks like. Poison ivy? Is that in Wisconsin? Oh, boy. Sorry, Peter. I gotta run. We'll have to finish this later. When? Uh, my office will reschedule. Good luck with that, Lizzie. He's never gonna give me this job. Of course he will. He's just being Robert. Don't scratch. You should put some hydrocortisone TID on it. If it gets any worse, you can get a shot of steroids. It won't spread, will it? Well, that depends on what you touched last before you washed your hands. Oh, dear. <laughs> Speaking of all-time favorite yeah. gags in the history of the show. <laughs> it's like, also a great one. <laughs> that is one of my favorite sight gags in the entire show. Yeah. Just for reference, it 
why don't you just tell tell him what happens next and then we'll talk about the clip yeah we we cut to an immediate shot of mark scratching his balls in front of the med <laughs> students which i forgot to point i forgot to write it in my notes so i forgot to put it in the thing but in that little go around around the er with carrie earlier um there's a dude in the hallway fully jacking off yep. uh yep, yep, the yep. dude in the wheelchair so like in the span of the first five minutes of the episode just to let you know it's a new era like we have guy jacking off in the wheelchair in the hallway and we're doing hand job jokes like, yeah is, whew. um yeah and we'll, we'll we'll circle back to that but you just i yeah i need to I need 12 minutes to talk about that visual in and of itself. But <laughs> going back to the interview, um, is it so just good. me or when they're talking about like Benton working with residents and he says, you don't exactly have the greatest track record. Was that a, was that a slight at the whole Gantt thing? I mean, you could certainly read into or it. The being Carter that way. Thing. Or uh, yeah. yeah, just Carter, not Carter sort of abandoning his surgical training. Yeah. Uh, you could certainly read into it any number of ways. I mean, Benton seems to take it in a much more lighthearted way than I would imagine he would if it was a direct reference yeah. to the Gantt situation. Also, I don't think Romano was there for Gantt. True. Yeah. But he could have heard yeah. of the grapevine. I but he could have heard about it. Yeah, he could have heard about it. But yeah, uh, yeah, you could have read into it any number of ways. I just love everything. I love... I already love Romano's energy to start the season. I really love Peter's energy. Like Peter's energy is much more playful this season. Mm -hmm. It feels like almost and much more like just happy to be there well, kind of that's energy. Gonna, that's gonna change in the next couple episodes. Well, I know, sure. but I almost sort of uh, again like I, I like I sort of associate that with maybe where Eric LaSalle is at at this point in the timeline, where dude's just happy to be there. Like he's already cashed the checks. He's already got the money. Like I just feel like my dude is just gonna like stretch his legs this season and just really enjoy himself. Good for him. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's that's sight gag. For attending position for Peter. Hmm, very fancy. Fancy stuff. I also love, you've got to supervise resident research. Yes, because we've seen any residents do any research in the entire six previous seasons on this show. It's a little bit of a trope yeah. that they do bring out. Like, it's like when we're out of ideas for what things to press on them with, it's like, yeah, oh, they need to do some research. They need to get a grant. Yeah, right. Oh, but I just, the sight gag, I keep going back to the sight gag he because just it's- goes for it. It's perfect. And, and the, the it goes from the, the shot being centered on Lizzie's face going, oh dear, to immediately shot on his dick. <laughs> and like <laughs> right in the middle of the frame. And like you said, he is just going for it. And oh, He's being I completely just... serious with the med students too. And the med he students doesn't... are like kind of like looking back, back, back and forth between his nuts and- doesn't yeah. even realize he's doing it. <laughs> it's so perfect. Speaking of the med students, uh, the trope of like the meaningless disappearing med students is never more accurate than it is in this episode because every single one of them in that group gone by the end of the episode, yep. never to be seen again. The whole group. Even like even the one that gives him the ride? Yep, because I I was convinced Same. we were going to get we were going to get like two maybe three appearances out of him because I knew none of them turn into major characters. Right. But I was like maybe we'll get two or three. We'll get Bernard level appearances mm -hmm. out of one of these kids. None of them. They're all just vaporized by the end of this episode. So Also, <clears throat> how sad do you think the people who like the guy who played Bernard or any of these students feel when they're like, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to be on ER. This is my break." And then uh, uh... Okay. I mean, and, and like we've we haven't talked to that many people that have been bobbed. We've talked to a one or two, and the consensus has basically been of just like the phone just stopped ringing. Yeah. Like they just they just stopped calling. Like nobody ever called to say like, hey, we don't need your character anymore. We thanks for all your you know hard work or whatever. It was just sort of like the phone just stopped yeah. ringing. Or which is... or the other side of that, like 
Shirley or Jerry where they just kept ending up finding stuff for them right. to do. They, yeah, they just yeah, exactly right. They just kept finding ways to work them in. So yeah, it sucks, but it's the reality of the business, I guess. Doesn't suck uh, as but, much as poison ivy on your balls, I'd imagine. Who I can't not even imagine how awful that must be, and especially if you got to work like a twelve-hour shift too. Ugh. Hey, Malucci, making fun of you for it. Yeah, Malucci asking him if he's okay. Boy, so let's let's talk about Malucci's tips, shall we? <laughs> My man, opening season seven with the douchebag symbiote trying to work its way into his head, like I, just. I can't, mm. I can't judge because I've got the same thing going on. So you you're pulling it off a lot better than he is because it just when I saw it like mm, if and when we get uh, around to talking to Eric Palladino, best believe it will be a question on the list is uh, the were the tips in season Frosted. seven. Your idea or theirs? Frosted tips were super in in, in the oh, early they were. Aughts. like Especially amongst the douchebag little 11-year-olds that I was hanging around all with. All he needed was uh, one of the uh, seashell necklaces, and he would have been like... Oh, God, puka you know, shell. Justin Timberlake, you've ruined an entire generation of children. Yep. Oh, God. Well, we go to our uh, first uh, big patient uh, uh, that we're going to get any... There's a lot of patients in this episode. This but, is the biggest one. Um, this is the biggest one. Mike Palmieri, a uh, 17-year-old kid, got hurt playing football. And Lauren, season seven? Whose films are those? Coming in strong. Uh, the safety speared him with his helmet as he was going down. Uh, he mentions that it's their rival's homecoming game, and that will uh, play into both the events of the episode as well as the title. Uh, the uh, young Mike here is played by one of the more recognizable, oh, hey, it's that guys we have ever had on the show, Wentworth Miller, who uh, was the star of the long-running Fox TV series Prison Break, uh, as well as the Human Stain and the Resident Evil franchise. Um and I'm shocked based on his appearance that he hasn't snuck his way into a Fast and Furious movie. Uh, but yeah. su- surprisingly, no. Uh, but he will be kind of our one of our main through-line patients for the episode this week. Oh, he was... Okay, that... That's that guy? That's that guy. Shit, okay. He was in uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow on the CW Network as well in the first season. Go. Got killed in the first season, but... Eh. Um, Spoilers for a show I'll never watch. Exactly. He he makes appearances throughout the CW DC. He's Captain Cole or some shit like that. Or the hell is his name? Give me a minute. I'm going through his whole. Lizzie, what happens next? Yeah, Captain Cole. Got a little superhero things. Luca's working on a woman though. uh, When Dave and the med students come in, he's uh, sort of just kind of pretending to take care of her, even though she's uh, she's very dead. Not just she's, dead, very dead. No, no, no. But she's, <laughs> she's like, she's blue. Yeah. Like, she is fully, Yeah, she's gone. Malik says her pulse ox is 65, and Dave, and Dave is like, yeah, because she's dead. <laughs> another another amazing line read, though, from, from Dave when he comes in the room with the group of med students. Like, he walks through the door, and the door swings behind him, and he goes, oh, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> just the way he says it just fucking killed me. But yeah, uh, they're giving, but... Luca's trying to be nice. He's giving the husband time to brace himself before they tell him that she is, in fact, dead because he went through all the rigmarole to get her get her here. So, um, Carrie pops in quickly and says that, hmm, Abby isn't on the roster for this semester. Ruh-roh. Hmm. Who plays the husband, mm. though? So... This is our uh, little bit of... Uh, STT uh, trivia? STT trivia. I, we're gonna, I cannot... We're gonna, I cannot... We're gonna, 
We are going to take a little trip back in the STT Wayback Machine for this one uh, because the husband here is played by actor James T. Callahan, who we have seen before. He joined us back way back in season four uh, as a uh, one of Lauren's mystery patients that she was convinced she had seen before. And uh, based on uh, the fact that Lizzie watches uh, Mayday incessantly, I have to imagine that a some point maybe she disassociates in front of the tv and lets uh homecoming start to play and lauren sees this patient so we're going to take a little trip in the wayback machine and hear what we had to say about mr callahan back in season four <laughs> we go from there over to uh dr delamico she's calling carter and henry down to help her evaluate a patient an older gentleman speaking in like full stream of consciousness very this is one of the more sympathetic patients in this episode i have uh, this this guy broke just breaks your heart um he's unable to figure out where he is they picked him up uh just wandering the street they're waiting on a ct before they go and get the psych consult on him and henry goes off on this suspected diagnosis based on a bunch of neuro stuff proving that he is actually competent he's just not really like suited for patient care much much better suited for research um and uh, our patient here is named Oliver. He's played by actor James T. Callahan, who appeared in uh, stuff like the sitcom Charles in Charge, as well as the show Knight Rider. He had a hundred. He's our high water. Uh, oh, hey, it's that guy for this episode. Had 159 credits dating back all the way to 1958. Um, and he's another Damn. he's another frequent flyer, too. He will be returning to us in a couple of years in 2000 as another character. Uh, and he does pass away in 2007. Uh, two things. One. He is from Grand Rapids, Michigan, so Michigan represent. There you go. Two, can I talk about the weird um, experience I had with this particular patient? Sure. Situation. Um, so, fam, this is the weirdest thing that has ever happened in the history of us doing this show so far. <laughs> I was convinced when we were watching this that this patient was from an episode, like, two seasons ago. I could have sworn, like, the whole stream of consciousness, everything from his performance. I was like, we already saw this. Nothing from nothing else from the episode looked familiar to me in that, like, in that striking of a sense. Mm-hmm. I texted Daniel, and I was like, guys, have we seen this guy already? Because, like, this has happened. So, I still feel that way. I know it hasn't, but I still feel like this already happened two seasons ago. So, I'm losing my <laughs> mind. Are we all? <laughs> I love the I love the flourishes. Yes, we're back. We're back in 2022. So the problem with that, yes, I know we said he shows up later and everything, but it was that specific character. It wasn't the actor. It was that specific character because I remember how fucked up I was with it, and it was the specific, perf- just that whole thing. But yes, he does have a he does have a very unique way of delivering lines and everything too. So who knows? Maybe I just had the episode on, like. Who knows? But I Who do appre- I do appreciate the trip in the Wayback Machine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure we'll only get more of those as time goes on as we start to get some of these characters who return to us years after the fact of when we first saw them. So, Yeah, and you're right. It could have very well been that Lizzie had her amazing dissociation machine going and just had... <laughs> That's just my everyday life. Had seven one on and it just mixed in my brain. Hey, hey I, I'll say this again. I'll say this at the end of the episode too, but seven one is also one of my comfort episodes. So. I did not know that. See? Yep. So it could easily just be that Lizzie has played this episode a million times and you've internalized this one guy. And when we saw him back in season four, you were like, I've seen you in the past, but also in the future. It's very confusing. ERception. Uh, 
So thanks for calling me out on my bullshit, Daniel. Uh, we go over there to Carter is checking out of rehab and he finds out that Peter is going to be, I don't know why I keep putting Peter in this episode. He finds out Benton is picking him up at the gate in Chicago and the receptionist says, good luck, Dr. Carter, and sends him on his way. Sticks her head out of the window very smoothly. Good luck, mm-hmm. Dr. Carter. Mm-hmm. And then Luca is looking for Mr. Bristow, the woman's husband, and comes back in with the, and Mr. Bristow comes back in with the wife's bag of medications, and Luca unfortunately tells him his wife has passed. And Damn. He's, he's like, shit, I should have gotten here sooner. I should have called the ambulance. So, right from spousal death and right into poison ivy, uh, Mark and uh, Corday are talking about said poison ivy, and and she's like, we don't have poison ivy in England. Mark And Mark does check his junk with, like, his little pen flashlight that he has. (laughs) She's like, do you have it? Oh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, She was apparently picking a floral bouquet when, while he was skinny dipping. I don't know where the hell they went in Wisconsin. That's- he says the uh, Wisconsin Dells, which yeah. I've actually been to and is a hella tourist destination. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, the idea of Mark Green skinny dipping in the Wisconsin Dells is fucking horrifying to me. Excellent go-kart tracks at the Wisconsin sure. Dells. The, yeah. thi- the things from my childhood. Sure. And I love how she tries to make it flirty, but she's like, yeah, but I got bored. And do you remember what happened after? A little handy yeah. in the Dells. And Mark uh, starts complaining and she's like, oh, it's not that bad. And he's like, you've only got it on your hands. So she's getting him some cream and also a steroid shot. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, well, Mark uh, then goes to talk to Mike's mom and talk to her about his status. Uh, says that he's going to be okay. Uh, maybe don't make those kind of promises uh, <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and uh, a student takes her back to see Mike. And uh, Mrs. Palmieri here is played by actress Kay Lenz, who uh, would be just an excellent stand-in for Sally Field in certain things. Like, if mm-hmm. you need somebody who kind of looks like Sally Field from a distance, she might be the one to call. Sally uh, Field she... double. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, but she has appeared in stuff like House, uh, both the TV show and a movie called House. Mm. So, you know, good for her. Uh, Breezy and Midnight Call Her. Uh, Midnight Caller. I'm sure Midnight Call Her is probably <laughs> the porno version. <laughs> uh, 116 credits to her name for Kay. And she does a, a really good job this episode. She's a underrated, I mm. think, uh, guest performance. Uh, but uh, Mark stops and tells Malushi to have the med students help him out, and Dave tries to pass them off onto Cleo. Then we have Benton is checking on returning patient Mr. Fletcher's foot. Um, he's not staying up on his wound care, so they have to debride the wound, and he's there for dialysis again. Um, he's behind on his dialysis, so today's round of it is taking longer because he's retaining a bunch of fluid. And Cleo notes how none of the med students are black. And Benton's just like, well, that's not exactly a large sample. Like, already starting to push off her stuff. Like, not everything's about race, Cleo. Um, which I think I, that's kind of a kind of a white white privilege thing. No, that's that's how yeah. he interprets it. I know, but that's yeah. that is totally a okay. white privilege thing. Yeah. I'm acknowledging that, but that's I remember this being a thing for the two of them, if I recall that's, correctly. Hey. It is a little bit, but it's also a white guy writing a black yes. character's yeah. yes. dialogue thing. Yeah. Like, I wasn't saying like you specifically. Okay, I was, I was like, yeah, no, I wasn't. I'm sorry, I didn't clarify. That's like totally like what Daniel said. It's totally a white guy writing a black guy. Yeah, trying to defend the me- medicine's oh. not racist. Yeah. 
you're a black doctor, medicine's not racist, but, um, so yeah, but Cleo makes a very good point. Like, there's no black kids. Um, and Cleo heads off to go do something, and Mr. Fletcher says, is she your wife? She no, talks no, like no, she's no. your wife. No, 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 no. She talks like your wife. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> very, very good, uh, um. Like I said. Very good work between the two of them. I'm I'm really enjoying happy to be here, Benton. Like just <laughs> Eric LaSalle just like feels like he's just really like loosened up this uh, in the early part of the season, and I'm just I I'm enjoying it so far. Then we see Mr. Bristow is sitting and waiting for his wife to be transported down to the morgue, and again transport is backed up as well because some of them are on strike with the janitors, so that's not great. Um, Abby says that he can sit with her for as long as he likes, and she brings him a chair, and. Then she compliments Luca in the med closet for working on Mrs. Bristow and, you know, giving Mr. Bristow some closure. And Luca finds out that Abby is recently divorced because her divorce finalized last month. And we learn her maiden name is Wazinski. <laughs> yeah, Lockhart's definitely better. Hey, I love his line read there. And she's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's the one good thing I got from this marriage. And we move on. Uh, Halei walks in on Elizabeth uh, giving Mark his shot in the buttocks, of course. Where else would you get a shot? Can't just give him to him in his arm. Gotta be in the glutes. Exactly. Uh, tells him that Mike needs to be checked on. He's having a little trouble breathing. So they book a CT for Mike uh, because of that chest pain. They When they took off the pads, it, start, it started to hurt. and he started to, They set him up to, to help him out a little bit. Uh, Mark tells his mom that Mike might have a little broken rib, but they're just going to take some more scans and that everything's going to be fine. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Nothing to worry about. Uh, But uh, Carrie then gets another football player coming in, this time from the other team. Uh, We find out the guy who hurt Mike. uh, They broke his leg, I think. Uh, He's got like an open open tib fracture, which is a pretty gross visual. They show it very briefly on the, uh, the gurney as he's being rolled in there. And, uh, oh boy, howdy. That is a... Yeah. Uh, but our football player here is a definite oh hey it's that guy Steve Howie who appears in stuff like Bride Wars uh, had a guest spot on the TV series New Girl and was a recurring character on the other major John Wells production show uh, Shameless um, he is that's a John very Wells much, show yeah yeah that's John Wells show lots huh. of ER alums uh, not just William H Macy lots of lots of ER alums have crossed over to the uh, Shameless verse it's a show I've not seen a frame of but have heard good things about and wouldn't mind checking out someday but uh it's showtime right uh, uh so. yeah showtime is, it's now it's it's ended now and most of yeah it, no it's i know it's ended now Netflix, but... I think. most if not all of it's on netflix right now okay so then maybe i i can get around to watching it eventually but uh heard good things uh but we go from there carter is on his flight back to chicago he's got a chatty seat partner next to him and uh carter lies and says that he's just a teacher visiting a friend uh on his way back and uh very uh 2000 mobile dvd player uh across the aisle next to carter uh you love to see it hell i saw um, one of those on the plane to the recent trip we took to florida i saw one of those on a plane they have to be like ten dollars now oh yeah but they were they like have... peak technology oh hell i can remember one of my uncles who was like kind of my like I didn't really have a rich uncle but like if i did this guy was as close as i had to a rich mm-hmm. uncle i remember being on a trip with with that part of the family one time and he had one of those radio tvs with the like antenna the that you could like yeah. it was it was this little handheld thing that you could like pull a big antenna up on and like yeah. 
the reception was dog shit. And I remember, I remember being in the back of this car, like flipping through the dial, trying to find channels and stuff. And the only thing I could find was golf. And it was like in, you know, 60 P like it was like, it was like really fuzzy golf. The, the thing I had around this time was, I don't know if you guys remember how the GameCube was toted as like a portable console. Cause it had the handle oh, on yeah. the back. I had the little, like the screen pop, attachment the, that you yeah, could yeah, like yeah. slide on top and then it would open. I remember playing that in the backseat of my dad's car and it was again, probably, you know, like 60 P just yeah. on this tiny little screen attached to my GameCube in the backseat of the car. Wow. So this is how you come out as rich to us. This is how you do it. Like I had the screen attachment for the GameCube. I was part of the 1% Lauren in 2022. Guarantee you not uh. at that time. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, he steps away to go to the bathroom to uh, freshen up. Uh, and we, I can't remember if it's here in the next scene, but we get, we get our clearest indication that we are still pre nine 11 because he's able to bring an entire shaving kit with him yeah, uh, onto after. the, uh, onto the plane. Hoy. Yep. It's in a minute. Um, but then Mr. Bristow is stuck sitting in the hall with his wife cause they needed the trauma room. So they had to move her body out of the, out of the trauma room. Um, Carrie tells Abby her clerkship has been retracted because of delinquent tuition. Those are all words. So she is losing her place for the quarter as far as, you know, being an active med student. Nurse Abby. And they can't, um, they can't reinstate her. Like if she goes and gets the check to them tomorrow, her spot's already pulled. So. Which is really. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. But I like, (laughs) I like how as they were walking or as they, you know, she's leaving, um, Jen was like, she was like, don't worry, they'll probably hire you back. They need nurses. She was, and then I was like, yeah, their nurse manager just dipped like yeah. two episodes ago, and they uh, they probably haven't filled that position yet. So I'm sure she'll get hired back. Yep. Another two patients from the game are brought in, including someone attacked in the bathroom. So shit is clearly escalating at this homecoming game. Anyway, we go back up to the airplane. Uh, Carter's back from the restroom, having shaved his beard. There's the cargo we know and Thank love. Thank God. Well, love is debatable. Oh, there's but... the Carter we know and watch on TV. Uh, <laughs> there's the Carter we know and hate less than the one we hated 10 seconds ago when he had that thing on his face. It's very true. He uh, gets in trouble for smoking in the lavatory. Like, how the fuck do you think you're just going to get away with that? They make an announcement and everything. Come on, Carter. And he still has a cigarette butt. Right? Yeah, why, why not just flush it? Like, yeah. what a... well... And why does the stewardess need it? Like, is that going to keep him from smoking again? Or is she going to take the DNA off of it, like, so they could put him on some no-fly list? Like, yeah, I why, just... does the, why does that absolve him of a ten thousand, of however many thousand dollar fine and potential jail time? Yeah, very, very strange sequence of events there. And I was convinced, based on the uh, appearance of the flight attendant, I was convinced that she was going to be somebody. And then I looked her up, and she's like, you know, just did a few things here and there like her acting career petered out like a year or so after this like i was just based on her look i was like i've seen this lady somewhere before no no apparently this episode was what i had seen her in before but uh in any event we go back to the er uh mike has blood building around his heart and they need to drain it and mark tells uh mom that they need to do it right now uh but don't worry it's a simple and uh very uh safe procedure with limited complications mm. uh and About we need that. we need to do it uh, to avoid emergency procedures so we need to do this thing to avoid the other bad things later yeah okay yeah sure sure but sure we'll see how that goes uh 
Let's go to our next audio clip here. Romano has been summoned to the ER. All right, what's the big emergency? I'm here. I didn't call you. Robert. Carrie, look, if you're gonna uh, leave messages with my assistant, don't also page me. It gets annoyingly redundant after a while. Sorry to inconvenience you, Robert, but we have a real crisis down here. Yeah, and? And it's become a health hazard. If somebody calls the county, we'll be fine. But someone's not going to call the county, is she? Look, Robert, housekeeping won't clean any sheets or towels. I need the nurses here, and it's, it's not their job anyway to well, be doing... Look, Carrie, what do you want me to say? Troubleshoot. It's called being a manager. You need to end this strike, you Robert. You find me the half million a year it'll take to meet their demands. I'll be happy to do that. Peter, keeping banker's hours? I've been on since five. Yeah, well, you got a sec? No, nope. actually, I gotta go pick no, up No, 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 wait, 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 come on. Let's finish this. What? The interview. Walk with me. What about Elizabeth? Well, I let her sit in to make her feel important, but it's my decision. So. Let's talk turkey. I know you've got the surgical skills. I don't question that. I do, however, question your loyalty. My loyalty lies with my patients. Yeah, it should, but, and, and don't take this the wrong way, Peter. You have a real propensity for being a pain in the ass. I'm not going to jump you, you homophobe. Damn janitors. You should try paying them. You see? You see, now that's exactly my point. Instead of trying to understand my problems, you immediately champion the opposition. The janitors? Yeah, whoever. Peter, look, if, if I'm going to give you a faculty position, I've got to be sure that you're going to be a part of the teams, specifically my team. Of course. Of course what? Of course I'll be a part of the team. Yeah, I can expect your full commitment. No whining, no complaining, no uh, excuses about your kid or your cat or whatever. I don't have a cat. Splendid. You're hired. Congratulations, Peter. You're a free man, delivered from the shackles of your residency and fellowship. You're gonna have to dry your hands first. Yeah, right. Oh, well, it wasn't me. Romano's in top form this episode. Oh. Yeah. Also. The, uh, just the, the visuals in that scene are just, like, they, they don't illustrate the disgusting condition of the ER better in the whole episode than they do in that scene, I feel like. And the squishy noises as he's walking in the bathroom is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, I'm sorry. I just lose it every time. I'm not going to jump you, you homophobe. <laughs> I don't know why it just sticks. Because it's, yeah, it's like he goes in and he pops his head back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? No, you're supposed to come follow me. I'm going to whip my dick out, take a pee, and we're going to talk about your job. It's fine. And just, you get you, you got to dry your hand first. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is just so good. I was really concerned when he said, um, like something like, something about the team player thing, mm-hmm. and um, and Benton responds, and he's like, I can. He says something, and Romano like looks at him expectantly, and for a second I thought he was waiting for him to say, "Sir." Ah. He says, "No, I can be a team player," and I was like, "Okay, sigh of relief." Like, that would be weird, even for Romano. But that's always where my brain goes. And I'm just like, why sure. does, why is that what it fills with? But, um, but yeah, also, some peak signage in this bathroom. We have one that's a collection of animal butts that says, butts are gross. <laughs> and I can't, I couldn't see, like, the context of what it was. Maybe it was, like, a smoking one. Yeah, it was, it was a smoking yeah, one. I think the low, one on the lower right was a cigarette butt. Yeah. So, but framed perfectly right next to Peter. Yep. Or, you know, the absolute ass of a boss he has in Romano. Um, and then there's another one that says, Think you can handle drinking and driving? So did Philip's killer. Sucks to be Philip. That's after school special written all over it. Anyway, 
Uh, let's go to our last audio clip of the episode, but we're only 29 minutes into the actual thing, so we got plenty of, plenty of stuff coming for you. Uh, but this one's of Abby and her ex-husband. Selfish son of a bitch. Oh, well, hello, Abby. Is this fun for you, or is it like an addiction? Do you wake up in the morning thinking, how am I going to screw Abby today? Okay, what's the problem? My problem is I just lost three months of med school, three months I can't make up, three months that put me exactly one year behind on my residency. This is about your tuition. Yes, it's about my tuition. Will you calm down? I was going to call you. The IRS oh, disallowed no. our 97 I, 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 I don't want to hear deduction. one more lie or lame excuse well, out of your arrogant, the IRS. condescending They're going to hit us with a huge penalty. This was important to me, and you knew it, so you ruined it. Can you be a little more dramatic? I put you through med school. You were going to put me through med school. I did not say that. You did not put me through med school. What? My student loans put me through oh, med school. I only fed, Student loans low, that I'm still paying you. for, along with a house, your condo, and two cars. Don't forget the apartment for the whore. I assume you're cheating on the whore with another whore. All right, just stop. No, you stop it. Haven't you done enough already? I didn't make you unhappy, depressed, and miserable. You did that all by yourself. Screw you, Richard. Right, screw me. That's right, screw, screw you. me. Screw you! Yeah, you're the one who decided you wanted more. Cheating! You're the one who decided you had to change your life. So screw me! Ass. Are you done? No. You are in violation of our divorce agreement. I am hiring a lawyer and I am getting my tuition money. Hell, Abby, do me a favor. I want you to take it off. Take the debt with it. Shut up, Jag off. Ah. I hate the word jag off. It just sounds stupid. Um, it seems why? like it's a very Chicago word. Is it? I, I just always feel like it's a very Chicago jag insult. off. That's it's, that it's is more. Uh, yeah, no, that's blessed. not Chicago. It's well, it's dumb and I hate it. Um, why is nobody watching her throw his clubs? <laughs> yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody around is like seemingly very disinterested in what uh, very big NPC energy there. Like, like oh, yeah, no this one happen- cares. This, just, this happens every night. That's fine. I mean, at a at a driving range, I feel like it probably would. Like, I feel yeah. like there's you know a lot of lot of assholes at driving ranges, so somebody's usually showing up to throw their clubs out onto the range. Uh, but hey, the the season of Abby has begun, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, did you need to know? Like, did you need it tossed into your face that Abby is now a main character and is not just going to be a person we occasionally reference in the background? It's like, no, she has graduated to a uh, main character status. Uh, no better illustrated here than by the introduction of her ex-husband, played by actor Mark Valley, who appeared in stuff like Stolen, Boston Legal, and Keen Eddie, uh, among many other things. And he is making his first of five appearances through 2003. I uh, definitely would have thought he would have made more appearances than that. Like I kind of like I know he's I not. Mean, a- he's, he he really is just like a tertiary character. He is, yeah. But and I know it's a story that we don't go back to that much after it's settled but like it's sort of you know al boulet syndrome you know just like i expected this character to show up more often than he does because it's really just about the money true true he is the piggy bank exactly um but we go from there uh peter is trying to head out to go pick up carter and uh as he's leaving he catches up with one of the striking janitors and is uh asked to go the other way uh to so as not to cross the picket line uh, mm-hmm. because the news is there and our janitor here is someone we have seen several times before uh nat mm-hmm. who uh appears for the first time since 1997 uh f- again from the why did they bother department <laughs> like why did they from the get- why not i mean yeah I'm, I'm glad it's one of the things that makes 
makes the show great, but it's just like, man, the the sheer audacity to bother to go pull the same actor we had three years ago uh, who made a very, like, blink-and-you-miss-it appearance in that episode. His most memorable appearance, actually, is in the live episode when he does that little, like, Mm -hmm. talk-to-camera. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, But he is also making his last appearance here, so last time we will ever see uh, Nat. Uh, but before he can leave, uh, he gets uh, swept into another trauma while asking if Chen is okay just outside the door because she's having a real one. Uh, does not look like she is having a great time, bro. Uh, and uh, Carrie says they now have a mass casualty from a riot at the football game. Uh, and we're like, people didn't die, right? Like it's, it's it, just it's just reached mass casualty status, which actually casualty just if refers to injuries. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When you hear yeah. like ten, you you can see it have like. 10,000 casualties, 3,000 dead. Right, exactly. That's um, why you have to, it's very important when you're looking at like stuff like that gets like that gets and that does like that. get the, like that gets um uh conflate thank you yes english yeah. major uh conflated Well, clearly not cuz i fucking thought casualty meant dead. So No, casualty just means injuries, especially in a context like this. I mean, but like um, like I said. Yeah. It says Person killed or injured in a war or accident. So yeah. it can go either yeah, way. Yeah, it can go either way, yeah. But you're right. In this case, accident. Got it. Today I learned. Thank you all. But uh, Peter is uh, desperately trying to get out of there and says he you know, really can't stay because he has to go pick somebody up. But Carrie insists that he uh, get to work. and uh, it, But he does not specify that it is Carter that he's going to pick up. Yeah, that's one thing. one of the things that will bug me. I don't know why he wouldn't specify Carter when, you know, Weaver was in on the whole intervention thing. It's like, oh, yeah. no, I got to go get and, and go, you go get our boy back. I think that has to exist purely so that they can keep him here for this because he's also like uh when he talks uh he says it in a scene earlier too where he's like I have to go pick somebody up. Like they they're they're weirdly coy about it in the dialogue even I though I think earlier on like when people like when he was around more people and it might not be widespread knowledge that Carter went to rehab. Sure. Sure. So he might try to be a, protect a little bit more privacy that way, but then it's only Carrie. I guess right. Chen, oh, yeah, Chen's, Chen was part of the Chen was part of the intervention too, so. too, yeah. And also too, it's been three months. Like the yeah. people have figured out Carter's gone somewhere. Like, but yeah. So. Oh yeah, that that's just always gonna bug me. Like, just tell him, and then you can go pick him. Just tell her, and you can go pick him up. Yeah. If she knew it was Carter, she'd let you go. Uh, but then, oh my god, chaos ensues for the next 15 minutes. I did not bother writing almost all of this down because, holy shit, um, people from both teams and sides are injured being brought in. Mr. Bristow is still sitting with his wife in the hallway, deep in thought. Uh, they're going to do a pericardiosynthesis down in the ER because the OR is backed up, so that's not real great for Mike. Uh, nice drop of the F-slur while Carrie is examining a patient. Um... Mark tells Mike's mom that they're going to drain Mike's fluid around his heart down in the ER. Uh, Fenton calls Ryan, the med student, over for help. So he's going to go pick up Carter. Uh, and Mark and Lizzie are doing the pericardios- peri- pericardiosynthesis. There we go. And they ask mom to wait outside. And Mark goes in with the big needle. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh, but something about that phrasing is just funny. Mark's I mean, going in with the big needle. Yeah, it's the big needle. So they numb it, and then they go in, and Mike says to his mom, like, I'll be okay. Yeah. Please. Uh Yeah. So uh, then we go uh, over to the airport where Carter is just hanging out by an empty uh, luggage carousel, uh, clearly been waiting a while. 
uh, when med student Ryan shows up to pick him up. And Ryan here is played by the uh, incredibly named Jonathan Magnum. Uh, love that name for him. That's got to be a porn name. <laughs> right? I love that name for him. Uh, he appeared in stuff like The Bucket List, NCIS, uh, and apparently was a recurring guest on Whose Line Is It Anyway? What? Uh, yeah. Uh, the newer one or the older one? Uh, both, apparently, according to uh, IMDb. Yes. Yes, he has. I. That's where I recognized him from. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he is making his one and only appearance in this episode. We will never see Ryan again. Uh, but I'll look for him on ABC with Drew Carey. Right. At least he drove Carter home that one time. Uh, we then go back to the ER. Chen notices that Mr. Bristow is unconscious in the hallway, and uh, no one can hear her calling for a gurney. Malik is headed upstairs, and uh, there's just chaos uh, ensuing, and so she... Uh, he, he, she looks around and uh, sees that he may have taken his wife's meds. He's got the be- uh, medication bag sitting in front of him and all of the bottles are empty. Uh, and so she calls one of the, a couple of the uh, football players who are just kind of standing off to the side. One of whom is in a wheelchair. She orders them to get up and help him move, help her move him. Uh, Cause we think he might have OD'd. Then we go back over to Mike. Uh, Marcus having trouble locating his heart. He apparently has some weird anatomy. And then, whoops, uh, Mark uh, nicked an artery. Excuse you, he transected the coronary artery. I didn't type that whole thing out <laughs> I, for nothing. You know what? God bless you for doing that. Um, yeah, he, whatever, whatever she said. He nicked it. Yeah. So Mike started to bleed out. Mark blames himself, but... Corday's like, no, it's a no. You went in blind. You had to go in blind. It's a known, it's a known issue. And frankly, this is just a whole big lawsuit waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, because his care was delayed so much, the fact that this had to happen blind in the ER, you could, could you argue some? Form it's of, it's a whole. It's a whole negligence thing. or malpractice thing. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Because because the whole thing is they don't they're on not up and they're not up in the OR because the strike and the OR is backed up yeah because the OR is backed up because they have the nurses have to clean the and sterilize the rooms instead of janitorial staff who can do it on assumedly much quicker mm-hmm. yep hmm hmm Romano how's the how's that gonna play out for you oh, yeah and, uh, Mark starts to blame himself and he calls for a thoracotomy tray this is going great everybody's fine. Uh, then Luca, Malik, and Chen are working on Mr. Bristow. People are watching them work on Mike through the blinds of the trauma room. And, um, Corday says they can't repair his artery without bypass. Not great. Carter and Ryan are chatting in the car about how hectic and crazy the ER is. Mike is not doing well. And they need to, they need the internal, they, they need to use the internal paddles on him and mom sees all of this through the trauma room doors. Mm. So shit's great. It's fine. It's fine. Simple procedure. Couldn't no problems at all. He'll be fine. Uh, Luca and Chen are work, still working on Mr. Bristow, but Luca says he has been down long enough and calls time of death, and says to make sure that he is placed next to his wife down in the uh, the morgue. Very sad story. Uh, back in uh, the other trauma room, Mike has had six units of blood s- so far. Still not great. And Lizzie says that somebody should go and uh, prep the mother uh, for kind of what everyone is expecting is the inevitable at this point. 
And uh, Mark goes to talk to mom while people are asking if Mike is dying. And I believe it was at this point uh, as uh, Mark is trying to work his way through the crowd of football players to get back to the mom uh, that people are keep asking him like, you know, oh, is he going to be OK? Is he going to live or whatever? I believe it was at this point that Jen just yelled out from across the room. Hip a bitch. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that that was my experience I, while watching this. Daniel, I want Jen to be on one of our um, blind watches. Mm. Just maybe you, me, Jen. No, you two can't sit in that closet. You'd die. Um, <laughs> maybe just you like, and Jen. I'll set her up, maybe, and it'll just yeah, be you just, and Jen. Me and Jen can just have a have a powwow, kind of like when we ha- we had Jake on one of them. She's gonna um, she's gonna want to pause like a million times, and nobody's gonna know how it works, and she's gonna click the wrong thing and break everything. But it'll be fine. We'll work it out. That's fine. Point is, is, if she ever wants to do that with me, she can pick an episode and I'll sit and watch it with her. There you go. Uh, But Mark finally does make it over to mom and tells her that shit's not going great. And she starts to freak out because Mark has said this whole time that everything is going to be. He's literally said every single time he's talked to this woman, it's fine. It's going to be fine until it's not fine. It's love's labor lost. It's fine. Yeah, a little bit. It's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Chen uh, then goes off to get more epi because they are completely out in the trauma room. They have exhausted their supply working on this kid, which at a certain point I was sort of like, what the fuck are they even trying to bring back at this point? Like, is he even going to be? Yeah, that's the, that'll be my, my comment at the end of the episode. The one thing that keeps it from being a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. One of the few things. Uh, but anyway, uh, more chaos. Mike, uh, Mike's friend. Upon, lear- upon learning that Mike may die, uh, Mike's friend attacks no, the opposing player, number 55, who heard him at the game in the first place, and then, holy shit, the ER basically explodes. Uh, Malucci gets knocked unconscious by a helmet. Kids are just, all the different kids are just fighting and fighting and fighting. Uh, Carrie saves, does save, save Malucci's ass, though, by using her cane as a weapon. Uh, Benton has to throw someone up against a wall because because a kid was a kid got a piece of lumber from somewhere. <laughs> well, they are remodeling the ER. I suppose, but like, yeah, he just has like a random two by four and is gonna like beat the shit out of the other kid on the opposing team. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and Benton yeah, has to like basically body slam him into the wall. Um, kid uses a fire extinguisher and chucks it at Frank's computer. It's like he's like security. We need a lot of help down here. <laughs> Um, at, at which point cheer, uh, a set of cheerleaders throws an opposing cheerleader just up and over the side of the <laughs> side of the desk. Uh, Someone destroys a, a one of the x-ray boards. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then someone breaks the, breaks the trauma room window. But, oh, no. But, I mean, I'm not, oh, no. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, look. They got a rhythm for Mike. And Ma- and Mark and Lizzie just smile at each other. We did it, right? I think this was the. I think this was another Nurse Jen nugget here too. Was uh, we were watching this scene, and um, I think I vocalized it. I, I think I said I was like, at a certain point, I was like, what are they even trying to revive at this point? And she goes, somebody who's going to need a heart transplant. <laughs> she, yep. she was like, she was like, they might bring him back. She's like, but his heart's toast. Like, there, he's gonna somebody who's probably brain dead with how long he's been down. Well, and I, he's I, lost. I brought that up. I said, wouldn't okay. I said, wouldn't he be brain dead? And she said, 
probably not because they were bagging him the entire time. They were circulating mm. what blood supply he did have, and like he was getting blood to his brain. And they were uh, massaging his heart. And they were massaging his heart. Camping. So she's like, his brain would probably be fine, but his heart would just be toast. And so. Well, that and like they still like they yes they went into crisis mode to shop him get shock him and get a rhythm back, but they couldn't repair the artery. Right. Yeah. He's. Not, I don't think he's out of the woods entirely right. yet in this. They moment. make it seem they, like. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and I'm pretty sure this is it. Like there is no yeah. follow up yeah, to there, this. There is no follow up. But like I think the theory is that like you get a pulse back and then you put him on bypass immediately. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is one of the more kind of like happy ending question mark. Like it's yeah. kind of like if you just don't look at it too hard. Right. It's a weird ending. Yeah. It's, it is a little bit of a weird ending, but, but an excellent bit of chaos, just like that whole second act there of just, like, I was sorry, Daniel, I cut you off. No, I, I just was, I adore Carrie using yeah. her cane. Like that is yes. one of my favorite visuals is seeing her fighting people off with her cane. Yes. I um this is one that I was definitely this was one that I was definitely glad that Lizzie and I took time to watch twice mm. because if I had seen this just on doing notes I would have been weeping because I wouldn't <laughs> have had a, a frame of reference for like okay this is what I need to capture this is just good like overarching things that we should mention like I would have died right so it, it's always Sometimes I find it helps for us to watch twice because I have one fun watch where I can just enjoy it and kind of get a feel for the episode. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is when it's like, okay, what do we actually need? The mass casualty ones definitely benefit from two watches when you're doing notes. But how's the the episode end though, Daniel? Yep. So we end up the episode with uh, Carter saying he is, uh, so they get back to the the hospital, but they're outside of the building. And Carter says he's just going to go grab his car and head home for the night uh, as they see cop cars rolling uh, into the ambulance bay. Uh, and then they weird again. They love their weird gratuitous slow mo shots uh, at times. Here, as we get this bizarre slow mo filter of him walking away, and uh, either the camera just fucked up. And it was only filming at twelve frames per second instead of twenty four. I just I've just never been a fan of the the weird slow mo, and they've they haven't done it in a while. I will say they have not gone to that well in quite a while. But for some reason, it just never really does it for me. Yeah, uh, but. But this episode for me, like I said before, is one of my comfort watches. I have no idea specifically. I couldn't specifically tell you why. Probably because it's like, it's funny, but also has a mass casualty mm-hmm. side to it. I think, like for me, it's a nine out of ten. But like the thing I think the the thing I think I love most is sort of like the spiral downwards mm-hmm. that the whole episode mm-hmm. takes. Chaos. Yeah, the slow descent into chaos, starting starting with Mike being brought in and then x happens y happens z happens um i love just slowly at first how you start to see one or two more patients from the game and then it's just like oh shit all hell is broken loose yeah 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 i'm 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 gonna give it an 8.5 yeah i think it's I'm, a well-paced episode yeah, too. yeah very very well paced yeah. very well paced and like it is um it's not your usual uh, season premiere fodder. Mm-hmm. Season premieres are, are rarely ever your mass casualty episodes, unless they're picking right. up a thread yeah. from, you know, right. a previous, like a cliffhanger. I think the mo- I think the important part here is why they were able to do this is there's no new characters. Like there's no new mm-hmm. long-standing right. characters introduced. That's, here. that's the other thing. Yeah. Is that usually your season premieres are where you introduce new characters or you follow up on a character leaving in the previous season's finale. And like, there's, there's not really any thread other than Carter. There's not really any other threads to 
follow up on everything's just kind of a continuation of existing stories and um you know or picking up you know this season's threads with everybody and so it gives an opportunity for a change of pace in a season premiere that we don't normally get to see like this is a much faster paced much more action-packed and i really enjoy that about it like it's a it's a refreshing change of pace and especially again going back to my nerd bullshit from the beginning with that wider aspect ratio, this feels much more cinematic. This feels much more like a movie watching it to me than any other season premiere we have done thus far, with the exception of the live episode, which is kind of its own, yeah, uh, its own beast. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's great. I think a nine out of ten is probably where I sit with it too. Um, you know, the like I said, the the football game thing and all the chaos that goes into it is a great conceit for an episode the just central thread of it with Mike is a little messy and I wish they would have like cleaned that up just a little bit from a storytelling perspective of just like do something a little different or or figure out another way to finish the story that's less messy than what we get but everything else about it I think is really really excellent and again the visuals of it of how disgusting that ER is and they just put you right inside of it I think that's and then perfect. just how bloody Mike is by the end. Right, and everyone is treating Mike too. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all really good. I just I'm like I've said before, I'm trying to be a little. I'm trying to save my high high scores for the ones that I like love. Sure. So this absolutely solid, but did did not quite have the spark for me. This is one of my three episodes that I alluded to, and the for the for you patrons. At the end of the season wrap-up last week. Ah, uh, the ones the ones that you were excited yes. about. So what do the listeners have to say about it, though, Lauren? All right, let's go. Uh, Grace B. says, We all know this episode is beautiful and funny, and I'd rate it an easy 8 out of 10 at least, maybe higher, except I have a hard time treating it with the reverence it likely deserves, because every time Bearded Carter is on screen, all I can think is, Why is Mr. Tumnus on ER? I swear he looks exactly like James McAvoy in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. Um, Heather R. says, ah, season seven, or as I sometimes call it, Abby's first full season on ER. But let me start with Carter. Based on how the show left off at the end of the season, I really love the choice here to not gloss over Carter in rehab, where they would just fast forward straight to September at the very beginning of the show and have Carter return, like, all better, um, or, and have Carter return all better. It was enough of a glimpse into him at rehab, checking in, etc., that I think it fit. That I think it fit well. Also, I'm really glad he shaved in the airplane bathroom because that facial hair gets a no from me. One of the main storylines in this episode is the football player nearly dying, and hey, there's Van Montgomery from Reba playing a football player here. So I guess the casting folks at Reba later saw his work here and decided they'd like him to be the star cornerback of their show but they promised no hospital brawls, probably. Watching this episode on a rerun years ago, my dad commented how ridiculous this was. An all-out brawl of high school football players right in the ER. Yes, the it's a TV show excuse, but there were parts of this that were over the top. I know they're all concerned about their friend, but did the entire school have to be in the ER? To the point where the docs and nurses couldn't even get through the hall? Glad there was at least a line about that at one point, needing to let a doctor through. But the trauma of it all with the one patient was a good storyline, at least. Shifting gears to a completely different lighthearted moment, I think this is where we see Lizzie scratching her hands and not knowing about Poison Ivy. Do they have that in Wisconsin? And a bit of comedy with Mark and the last thing she touched. Oh, 
and we're introduced to the Chen's pregnant storyline, which I believe was a Ming-Na Wen is pregnant, so let's work this into her character story this season choice by the writers. Back to Abby. First, love her haircut. In later seasons, the long hair really suited her well, but this cut was so cute too. I'm glad the deal and money issues with her ex finally came to a blow up here, and the writers work it into uh, work it into a way to basically keep her character in the ER for years to come. As a nurse first, with her medical school suspension, she has a right to be pissed, and I laugh every time when she makes a scene at the driving range. From perfectly kicking the bucket of balls to removing each golf club individually <laughs> from the bag and hurling them onto the range in line with her insults. Well done, my girl. At About Bunnies says, opening on the chaos of a renovation and a strike. I love Malik standing by with a firefighter's axe on his shoulder and Carrie just shouting his name. Also, I cannot imagine the stench that must be in that ER. How no one mentioned it all episode, I just don't know. Luca's compassion with that elderly man whose wife dies from a heart attack is lovely, despite how that storyline ends. And this rewatch, I was reminded of his working at the hospice at the end of his run on the show. At the time, I thought it was a strange pivot for Luca, but it fits better than I gave it credit for then. His comment to Abby that he does feel responsible, he's alive and she's not, is particularly poignant. Peter refusing to shake Romano's hand in the restroom next to the butts are gross is great. I love Eric's smirk there. Ah, Abby's med school tuition woes. Maura Tierney does such a great job with the emotions crossing her face as Carrie tells her what's up and that she won't be able to restart until the next term. And we meet Richard Asshole Lockhart for the first time. Her temper tantrum on the driving range is painful to watch, but I kind of love it. It's here we understand her later resistance to having anyone else assist her, especially with money issues. She's been thoroughly screwed over once, and she's not about to let it happen again. Finally, on the subject of Carter. If they ever wanted me to buy his recovery storyline, spoiler alert, I did not, they needed to not hammer home in the first episode of his return that he already wasn't taking it seriously. I cannot believe ER never did a relapse storyline with him, because this dude was not in it to win it. He's defensive and sarcastic with his counselor at the rehab center, sneaks a smoke in the airplane bathroom, just generally seems annoyed with the situation. I'll have even more words next time with his attitude about meetings and finding a sponsor. The only positive life change I can see him making this episode <laughs> is shaving that disgusting facial hair off. I mean, he does relapse, though. But not like a full storyline, though. Fair enough. Like, like, but like, it, he does hit a speed bump. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I do sort of agree, though. I'm surprised they never went to that well. Um, I would imagine that probably like the Carby and Africa stuff sort of took precedence over the years, but I would have liked to have seen maybe a full-scale Carter relapse storyline. Gotcha. And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, says, back from summer break, and my goodness, whose turn was it to throw out the trash? Our chief character has been through renovations, remodels, explosions, and it's never looked this filthy. The perfect backdrop for the chaos that's going to ensue most ER season premieres up until this point have been absent any fast-paced explosive moments. They serve to ease you into the season. Homecoming dials, dials up things to the 10th power, and I'm here for it. Wentworth Miller and Kay Lenz were stellar in their guest appearances, and the brawl was one of the most intense scenes ER has ever produced. But I love the other stories and beats, too. If you don't get a chuckle at Mark and Lizzie's Poison Ivy shenanigans, you're a bore. 
Carter's absolute disdain towards rehab and recovery will become a dominant theme in the first half of the season, and Abby's abrupt departure from med school helps to give us the conflict that will elevate her to the show's female lead. And I also like the continuity beat of bringing back Nat on the picket lines and Peter's show of solidarity. What's it been? Three seasons? The B patient storyline of the husband and wife was heartbreaking and provided nice balance with the chaos occurring. All in all, I absolutely love this season opener. While it only incrementally advances storylines, it's a nice dose of adrenaline and gets you pumped for the upcoming season. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Seven seasons. We're we're into season seven. What? How the hell? Y'all are awesome. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, but for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 50 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free four-monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We did, we did Ghost Ship recently. <laughs> God, what a... What an awful movie. And who's fix of those? Where Lauren reads read you some ER fan fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. The, our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Working Folks find you at hey, you can find me on Instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u dot e-l they can also find me on my other podcast The Popular Court with my co-host Jake Terrell where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial and Lauren Working Folks find you at folks can find me on my personal Twitter um, I'm going to be tweeting about a lot of wholesome games coming out in the next like six months mm-hmm. so dear god it's going to be cute overload at lowbob92345 actually using your laptop for gaming no it'll be the steam deck and okay. my switch fair enough shut fair up enough. that's true okay, we're getting that yeah <laughs> uh you can find me also probably tweeting random nonsense about our steam deck i am at random gamer that's jam3r and thanks again to everyone very much for listening please join us again next time have a great week Bye.